Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Blue Wire, brought to you by Rotoviz. My name is Dan Sanio, and tonight uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Dynasty startup strategy. Things like where you should be drafting or where you may want to draft, draft pick value, ADP, doing do's and don'ts types of things, how you should use it, how not to use it, so on and so forth. And a little bit of rookie talk as well, built into a startup, how they should be valued there, picks versus just the physical rookies themselves, and all of the other things. Plus, we uh, like we talked about last week, we're going to be implementing a uh, an app every single week as a part of the show and following our strategy talk, we will be going over the game splits app. But before we dive in, I want to say hello to my great friend, Nathan Powell. Uh, I, I will want to uh, take exception with your intro here. Uh, you didn't say anything was in the books. Uh, I, granted, I don't know what you would say. was in the books. <laughs> me, <laughs> me hosting is in the books. <laughs> All righty, so let's get into today's show by talking about some nice startups. So uh, just some full disclosure here. We're talking about this because Dan and I are currently in a startup with some Tradecast listeners called the Dynasty Tradecast Best Ball Listener League. So um, we're going to give out all all of our uh, strategy after the draft is halfway done. True, true. All the secrets to the trade. Uh, this is all insider information. So just remember to tip your tip your dealer, uh, tip your waitress. All that fun stuff. So one of the first parts of Dynasty strategy, I mean, obviously, this isn't, I would say, you know, guaranteed when you enter Dynasty League, but I feel like if you want to be in a good draft Dynasty League, you have to have a draft position draft. Um, how that how that order is determined, you know, can, you know, vary based on how fun you want to get. But a draft position draft itself is paramount, you know, getting giving your, your league mates, obviously, the ability to, you know, draft where they want to draft. And there's, you know, strategy involved in whether you got the first pick, the sixth pick, the eighth pick, whatever it may be. Um, so I guess let's start off with that. And as we will talk, you know, a lot of these things can vary certainly between one quarterback and Superflex. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with that, that in Superflex this year, you want the 101. And in most years, you want the 101 because that guarantees you whoever the Dynasty QB1 is at that stage. Um, and, in one QB, I think it varies a little. Uh, it differs a little bit more. So, uh, what are your thoughts on draft position? Where are you looking to draft? Is it always one hundred and one? Is it you know always in the middle? Always late? Where are you? Where's your ideal spot? So, in one quarterback, which I know is is not really the norm at this point. Everybody's either playing super flex or two QB. I do think picking uh, picking late in one QB is more ideal because now you're getting two top 10 or 15 players, depending how the draft falls. Maybe Patrick Mahomes does slide in, which he shouldn't, but in one QB leagues, occasionally we see it happen where he slides into the back half of the first or top of the second for some reason, because people love quarterbacks and, uh, you know, it's hard to, aside from just the value standpoint, it, it's hard to deny that many points early on um but only starting one qb i i prefer to pick late but i think nathan is is fairly spot on as far as picking early and wanting one of if not the best quarterbacks into qb or or super flex or whatever you want to call it uh, i think getting the the advantage of patrick mahomes is pretty massive at this point it, it's it's 
the Gronk argument, but with substance, right? You know, and and, and with a volume of years. Like Gronk is like, okay, this is like a four or five year thing, like Max. Mahomes, obviously, barring injury, it's like a 12, 16 year thing. Great yeah. Answer. Is the question is, is your dynasty gonna last 12 to 16 years? That's <laughs> right. So that's but, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say Patrick Mahomes has a better chance of being a top three quarterback for more years than your dynasty league has to exist. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's a huge advantage in Superflex. So I think the big question, honestly, or what people should be looking at is getting your pre-draft list ready, getting your tiers set up, and figuring out where you see the biggest drop-off in, in talent or the spot of the draft where you're like, wow, I just don't know what to do here, and try to piece it together so your your last pick it comes in before that and you're not smack dab in the middle of it. Um, maybe it's the fourth round, you start not liking players, or the fifth round. So depending on where that tier break is, try to position yourself by knowing whether you're picking at one and then 24, or if you're picking at 12 and then 13, or wherever in the middle, you space that out correctly so you're getting your preference of players because worst case scenario, you're getting the last guy on your list. But how often does every single player go in order on everybody's list perfectly you're bound to get some good value somewhere it always happens but you need to set yourself up for whatever you think your best tiers are going to be and you can land that really easily in both formats i I will say that i think that one thing that people try and talk about with draft pick draft strategy it's that just take the earliest one and you can trade down i'm not sure that's a guarantee i i think that early second round picks are so valuable because there is that teardrop most years from like, you know, 204 to like 205 or 205. The, the, the tier gap fall, like there is a fall in talent. Obviously there's a fall in talent as you draft, no matter what round it is. But I feel like, you know, most years you can get that top 12 to 16. And if you can get two of those 16, that's going to be two bona fide guys who you can build a team around. Whereas I, I feel like that two, three turn isn't as fruitful as obviously the early second round. And what I will say as well is picking in the middle. You're, you're never going to be playing from behind picking from the middle. The problem is you, it, it almost feels like you, you limit your upside, which sounds stupid, but if you pick on corners you could get stuck with a giant run somewhere. And as much as you know, we shouldn't be panicking with rosters and, and making your lineup before the season even starts or anything like that, but you can find yourself in a really tough spot. If, if you don't have quarterback and there's a really big quarterback run in the middle of where you're picking and now you're stuck. So you either have to make a trade or just settle for whatever garbage is there. Picking in the middle is nice because you're never really going to miss out on a group of players you're trying to get. Unless everything falls just so, you for the most part, picking in the middle is going to be a really good floor, which is probably why people don't love to pick there. I prefer to pick either early or late. In the middle, to me, is is great because you don't have to wait as long when you're picking, which is nice. Uh, outside of that, though, I, I just feel like you limit upside. Yeah, but there is there is an element of there's so much trading involved that 
I really am not planning my draft outside of the first three or four rounds. Like, okay, like when we're talking yeah. about looking at ADP, like, okay, this this is where I like these guys. I feel like if you're planning beyond the top four rounds, it's like, okay, what are the odds you even have that pick in the fifth round? That's 506, you know, and so on and so forth. It could be higher. It could be lower. So I guess let, let's wrap up this portion with just what's the answer? So you have the first pick in a draft pick draft, and I guess we'll go both ways. You have the first pick in the draft pick draft, and you have the last pick in the draft pick draft. One QB and Superflex. What are your answers? I'll go first, and I'll say Superflex, it's 101. I, that's my first pick that I, I want. The worst pick that I would want, I, I would have is six. I, I feel like that yeah. is just the absolute mess in the Superflex. And then in one QB, I think the best pick is between that seven to nine range. And I think that the worst pick is probably like that two to four range. Yeah, I think that's probably about right because you, you you know even even three or four yeah so two two to four I would say probably four or five is is the worst spot in in one QB um, in superflex I'm I would love if yeah assuming I have one one I'm probably taking one so I get Patrick Mahomes but. If I have the second pick, I would assume the first player is taking 101. I'm going back to the end, and I'm probably taking 10, 11, or 12, depending on the makeup of the league. In one QB, I really like that 10 spot. Uh, I, I feel like some of the guys in front of me or most owners are going to try to grab a, a handful of running backs, which is probably going to push one of my top wide receivers to me. Uh, worst case scenario, I end up with someone like Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown. Uh, that'd be worst case scenario. And that's a pretty good scenario for me. Yeah. And obviously some of this is catered to what's on the board or, you know, which year it is, but I do think like, and granted I have this trade cast listener week. This is the first startup draft I've done in probably four or five years. And so I, you know, I haven't done this in a while, but I I will say that I I feel like where you want to draft is usually pretty evergreen. Like, you know, if you, if you like that early pick, you like that early pick, if you like that, you know, middle round, so you're not waiting too long, you know, that's also the similar case. Absolutely. And it can pretty much determine who you want with that first round pick. When, uh, for instance, our trade cast listener league, we were going best ball. I grabbed 10 because I assumed, which I shouldn't have because we have (laughs) listeners in our league that Justin Jefferson would be there. I should have probably picked eight maybe even seven to ensure that I got him. But I got a pretty good second pick with DK Metcalf at 10. Yep. All right. So let's move on to some trade strategy. And this is, uh, I'll start off by talking about one thing that I feel like is something that I've picked up in this draft. And if I were to do another draft this off season, I, I would you know continue to do this. I feel like people overvalue later round picks like drop-offs in later round picks and so you the tiers are so much more of a drop in you know obviously the early rounds but you know in that mid like five rounds five to eight like there can be a player worth you know a first and a half at 504 and a player worth less than a first at 505 and so if you can you know take advantage of of that tier drop and if you're sacrificing later picks, so like I would rather sacrifice going from 10 to 14 than going from middle of seven to middle of eight. Absolutely. Uh, and and that's kind of goes back to what we talked about before is, is really figuring out where your tiers are and trying to get as many players without completely sacrificing your future or the remainder of your draft. So you have no depth whatsoever, but really trying to hone in where that quality kind of ends and trade into it as much as possible 
assuming you're getting fair value, if you have to overpay to go get your guy slightly, I'm totally okay with that, especially in a startup, especially if you're chasing a quarterback in like a two QB league, because no matter what, that's going to be the cheapest that quarterback most likely ever is, unless they completely tank in value. Uh, you know, a, 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 an example of that would be like going to go get Carson Wentz before the beginning of last year or something like that. Way overpay to get him. You land him. He's your guy. But all of a sudden, here comes Jalen Hurts. There goes Doug Peterson. Offense is garbage. Carson Wentz looks like crap. And there goes the value. So it can come back to bite you, but it's all risk-reward anyways. You're, you're risking anything, anytime you make a pick. So if you want a guy, move up to go get him. Don't necessarily go crazy to, to overpay to get him. But go get him because it's probably the cheapest he'll be. Yeah, and that's... That's probably a separate point, you know, for our super flex podcast. But the quarterback, especially the young quarterback, there is no wider variance in value than the young yep. quarterback. Dwayne Haskins coming into the year, he could have ended up being a you know mid fifth round pick, or he could have ended up being what basically he undrafted. <laughs> like that, that's how wide the variance is. Like top five rounds, undrafted. Yeah. And you know, look at Drew Locke. Drew Locke is probably going in like you know, the six to eight range last year. And now he's probably going in the 12 to 14 range. So, yeah. Um, but as far as, you know, trade, I guess let's talk about, you know, the conversation, sending offers. Like, are you normally the guy who's, I mean, we, I know we've gone over this plenty of times over the last six years, but are you the guy who DMs guys say, hey, I'm looking to move up here. Do you just send an offer? How do you start the conversation with, oh, I really want to move up and get my guy here? It, yeah, I mean, it depends on how the draft is rolling. If there's a spot where I see three or four guys kind of starting to slide and I can get into that zone in any three, any one of those three or four picks, I'm sending an offer to every single one of those owners to try to get in, to try to get that player or one of those players. Or if I'm like, hey, there's a million guys here that I like, why not try to gain some value? I'm spamming offers, and it's the only time I'm ever spamming offers. I hate that move, but in a startup, send an offer to everybody to try to move back. That's the easiest way to do it, to gain value. Sure, you're giving up a, maybe a higher-end player, but if you still have, let's say you're trying to move back a full round, and you have 15 players on your board, okay, well, you're still getting at least one of those guys, if not more. So it, it, I think, I think it's... It's important to be heavy-handed when trying to move back, and I think you have to be very selective when trying to move up, and you, can't, you have to focus on the player you're trying to get versus pick value. I, I will say there's been a couple times in the startup where I have been offered a, a trade to move up, and I haven't even really had like, oh, I need to get this guy right now, but I just felt like the value worked. Yep. And that, that'll happen, but I do think that that – can end up, you know, hurting your depth a little bit when you're just trading up because you just think it's a good value. Definitely, yeah, and that's that's one reason why I I usually don't just trade up to trade up. For instance, in our startup, I moved up uh, unintentionally to get Joe Burrow. It wasn't my original plan. I got an offer sent to me that I honestly thought was an acceptable offer. I was going to accept it, and then thought, you know what, I'm I, I don't need to do this. He's there. But I'm just going to counter. And then one or two more messages, we got in and it was easy. I felt like the value was dead even, dead fair. Um, I maybe lost a little bit of, of good depth, but I definitely gained a higher end asset. 
But yeah, but also, as we've talked about with quarterbacks, it's the opposite of a used car. The minute you drive it off the lot, it's more expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So now let's get into some ADP do's and don'ts. Basically, when we're looking at, and I will say that, we, we've, we talk about it all the time with rookie drafts where, you know, the, the sharpest rookie drafts are always the ones that start the weekend of the NFL draft or, you know, the Monday after the NFL draft because no ADP has quite been established yet. Or if there, if, or if any ADP that, that's out there is very rough, like it hasn't like, you know, there's definitely going to be changes over the next month or so. And so, you know, we started before February ADP was even out on most sites. And so, January ADP is almost stale at this point because the playoffs have happened and, you know, there's rumors of trade or there was trades with Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. So basically what I'm saying is that the the more, depending on what time you're in, like if it's July, August, ADP is pretty good. Like, you know, you're not going to see too many differentiations like around plus behind or around plus ahead. Um, but the earlier you are in the offseason, the more likely you are to have differentiation. So I will say that the ADP is more reliable later in the offseason than it is earlier. And, but either way, whether I find it extremely reliable or extremely fluky, I do use it as a tool that I use it for. Okay. If I trade down eight spots, what am I looking for in this range of eight, eight spots? If I, you know, don't trade up and I'm sitting here, like what's going to be left when I'm still here. So I'm, I, I use it mostly for trades more so than like looking at draft with, when, when it comes from a draft perspective, I'm just taking the best guy I want. And if the best guy I want has an ADP two rounds later, then I'll trade down a little. But rarely am I saying, okay, I have this guy higher, but this guy is, you know, a round and a half uh, ahead of him in ADP, so I'm going to take him first. That's rarely the case. It's more it's more so for trades for me. Absolutely. Uh, if you're – well, I shouldn't – I mean, that's what it's there for. It's to help guide people that need it. But for for me, just like you, it's it's all, hey, what is this – what's market value? It's always how I'm looking at it is just whatever the market dictates what I should be looking for in a trade, whether I get more or have to take less, depending on the move that we're making. That's that's what I'm looking at it for. It's just whatever the community believes is the value. Now, if I'm drafting and maybe I don't have my list in front of me or or am not really thinking clearly, sometimes I will pull it up to see what should I be drafting here? Maybe there's someone that's worth more than they should be and i could flip this player or something like that but for the most part like you i'm taking the best player that i want rather than what the market dictates necessarily is the best player best option to to go with so um yeah i think using it as a trade tool strictly figuring out what market value is and obviously if you know your the other owners in your league that that helps quite a bit but for just to, for starters, uh, unless you're really not sure how to attack a startup, um, I mean, you can you could use it for just a startup guide, I guess. I mean, like I said, that's kind of what it's there for. If you're a beginner, if you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing or you don't maybe have a preference on players and you're just thinking, hey, let's do everything based on value rather than who I want. Yeah, but I will say that, like I said, that is more of a viable strategy in July and August than it is in February. Mm-hmm. If you use January ADP in February, there's a good chance like your team's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> very possible. It's very, very possible. All right. So let's talk about this. This is less so a strategy thing and more so, you know, kind of some commission talk slash just, you know, general overview of 
what are we doing with rookies? So obviously what happens with rookies is kind of depends on when your draft is happening, but also it might not have to. So there's, there are three frames of mind that I see for rookies. Uh, if you know a fourth or more then let me know, but there's three, there is rookies in the startup, meaning that the rookie players like Najee Harris, uh, <laughs> Travis, I can't talk today. Uh, Travis Etienne and, you know, et cetera, Trevor Lawrence, all those guys are in the startup. You can take them as, as you would, you know, AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, like, you know, they're in the, the same pool of players. There's rookie picks where no matter how, no matter how long your rookie draft is, whether it's four rounds, five rounds, however many, all of those picks, 101 through 512 are all available. And then there's my personal favorite, which uh, you losers who voted in Trade Castle Center League <laughs> wouldn't let me do. It's rookie slots. Um, what's a rookie slot? A rookie slot is that you select a slot. So instead of taking the 101 in with the three with the th- third round pick, then you'll actually be taking the 101. And with with the 101, you get the 101, the 201, the 301, the 401, the 501. And each team can only select one slot. So that it becomes a lot of strategy of, oh, do you want to spend early and get all of the 101 picks? Or do you want to wait until the end and you can get the 112, 212, 312 for free? So that's a strategy element. And then the, the more like convincing argument that I have that I've turned people's heads with is that so often when you have rookie draft picks in a startup, the same three or four guys have all of the picks. Yeah. And so if you do rookie slots, then everyone's in, in the action. Everyone's trading away picks. Everyone's trading four picks. Um, with rookie slots, it, it everyone starts with picks. And that's what, I feel like there's more active trading when people are kind of forced to have picks that maybe they don't even want. So the way I look at it, and it's not it's not like one is better than the other. The way the I look, <laughs> no, it's, I I will say if you're more of a beginner or this is your first startup, rookie slots is probably your best option. You disperse the picks, even though somebody's getting 101, 201, 301, 401, and somebody's getting 112 and so on. Oh, I do uh, want to be clear because you the way you said that. This is not where the person who drafts 112 automatically gets the 101. That is no, that, no, 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 yeah, yeah, no. I, I yes, not yeah. the reverse startup. Yeah, no, that is draft. the worst way because, as we said, the Don't 201 is so valuable. That person is starting off with basically three top 15 assets: the 101, 112, and 201. The worst. <laughs> if, don't if you're thinking Don't do about that. doing that, you start. Don't even do the startup. Correct. Do do not do that. Um, but yes, uh, picking rookie slots, I, I feel, is best for uh, beginners or, or less experienced. Picking physical rookie picks, I think, is more for the intermediate group. Maybe people have been around for a couple of years. They're not exactly um, watching film or studying analytics or anything like that. But they have an idea of what players may be going where based on things like ADP or you know, people in the in the industry's rankings, uh, what they see on Twitter, things like that. And then physically putting the rookies in, especially if you're doing it early, is more of an advanced player or uh, shark move, in my opinion, because now you you don't look at that and see, wow, rookie pick 101. Look at all the value that thing has. You physically have a player because a lot of people have a really tough time telling 101 from Najee Harris apart or 101 from Trevor Lawrence apart if it's super flex. They just see the number, not a player, and think that's worth a ton, which it is. But when you have a physical player, it feels like it's almost easier to to spread the value out and get players a little bit later 
when they're the physical players and not everyone's sure of well, yeah, of course that asset. The, the the floor of a rookie player is infinitely lower than a rookie pick because especially at the earlier you are in the offseason, the less we know. I mean, and especially with this offseason with no combine and limited pro days and all those things that personally, I don't think I would play in a startup that had the rookies um, before the NFL draft, not because I'm scared or anything. It's but fun. I, I, I think it's a lot of luck. And oh, for sure. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. It's a complete wild card. <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, like Deontay Johnson, the year he came out, he was probably like a 24th round startup pick in February. Oh, yeah. 100%. People, people don't even know who he was. <laughs> All right. So anything else on rookie picks, rookies, and slots? No, I, I think, honestly, just do what's best for the league. Make sure you're, you're voting on it. Make sure someone's not dictating it for you. Um, getting a good mix of things definitely helps, especially from a, a commissioner's standpoint. For sure. All right. So before we wrap up the show with our game splits up, let's hear about ourselves. Roto-Viz. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Cabin from the Roto-Viz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Roto-Viz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. Once again, that's RV Radio 2021. Get that promo code 10% off. You'll be good to go. So you can use apps just like the Box Score Scout, which we used last week. And this one, th- this app, the Game Splits app, or this Game Splits app, I've been using this. Like we, we talked about how we aren't the smartest in terms of math and, and apps and all those things last week. I was using this one like before I was even a fantasy writer. Like, this is one of my favorite apps in the fantasy industry. It's the Road of His Game Split app. For those that don't know what this is, is that basically you can take different scenarios with a player, and it'll show you how that player performs in the split and out of the split. You can take versus a, a certain level of defense, home road, with a certain player in the lineup. There's so many ways to go about it. So basically, there are, and, you know, critics of the Game Split app might say that, like, there is some cherry picking involved with it, but it does show a picture of if you're looking for something, how well this guy does against good defenses, how well this guy does without his quarterback, it shows you how, what that information. And it's definitely good for lineup leagues when you have to set your lineup. Like, Oh, I don't know if I should start Andrew Hopkins. How does he do, do without Watson? And then you see that information. Yeah. Game game splits is it's massive. Uh, when with the, with the amount of injuries we get daily and weekly in the NFL, this is huge for determining upside and, and plays. If you if you're honestly struggling with lineup decisions, sure you can go look at weekly rankings for certain players. But I honestly think if you're in a tough spot, figuring out the most upside, the Game Splits app is is massive. And like you, I use this constantly. I I'd always mess around in this, trying to look at different scenarios, even if it didn't even matter to me, just looking at things, looking at wet random stats, just because it's fun to do. And, and when when I first started using the game split up, this is how long I've been using it. Uh the game split like the it's not anymore, but the the play the automatic players that were in it 
were it was the the player was Julio and the in out split was Roddy White. That's how all the game splits up. Is that we had to see how Julio did without Roddy White in the lineup. I love it. All right, here we go. So I'm going to give you uh, two players with an in and out split, and you are going to guess what the what the in split is, what, what's causing the in versus the out. So our first one is Saquon Barkley. His in split is 16.42 PPR points. His out split is 23.59 PPR points. So about an eight point drop between his in split and his out. I mean, an eight point increase from his in split to his out split. So I would assume, I mean, who's another running back that's been there? Wayne Gallman. I don't think that's affecting him eight points. I would assume it's a pass catcher. Uh, Sterling Shepard takes a lot of that work. Um, so what's Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, I would assume would be the three options. I shouldn't be Golden Tate. There's no way it's Golden Tate. That wouldn't even, there's not that that in and out's probably zero and 40. Uh, I'm going to guess Sterling Shepard. You went the wrong direction, my friend. This this game split app or this 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 split is brought to you by Daniel Jones is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's very bad. Daniel Jones is ruining Saquon Barkley. I, I knew it before I put, plugged it in. And then when I saw it, I was like, well, got to bring this up. Daniel Jones ruining Saquon Barkley. So I guess let's, let's talk about some dynasty you know element of this. Does this make you worry about the next couple of years with Barkley? Does it give you hope that when he loses loses Daniel Jones that he's going to go back to scoring twenty four a game? Like, what 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 does this make? Does this impact your thought process of Saquon at all? I mean, it's definitely worrisome. I had a conversation with our good friend TJ Calkins when Saquon was drafted by the New York Giants, whatever year it was, about how this was kind of a really bad landing spot just at the time, kind of a low key bad landing spot. And that, and that was with get, OBJ on the team too. And that was with OBJ, but dead Eli, right. Then they bring in Daniel Jones and it's like, this just, this kind of got worse. The existing best wide receiver at the time was Sterling Shepard. You bring in Evan Ingram, you had Darius Slayton, but that's not really exciting. That's gonna, not going to take eyes off of Saquon. It's just, I I am worried about it. I, I think Saquon's one of the most talented, if not the most talented, back in the league. I mean, he's a freak, but he's he's been playing from behind pretty much all the time. As from a, I mean, he's gonna be hitting, getting hit behind the the line of scrimmage. He's got no weapons there right now to to take the pressure off. I mean, and Daniel Jones isn't good, so it's a it's a bad spot. Volume's gonna be crazy, but. It's not going to be very efficient volume. Has he signed an extension yet? I don't think so, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up the show with one more split. We have Michael Thomas in 2020, and his in split is 6.5 PPR points, and his out split is 16.1 PPR points. Uh... I mean, I would assume it's like Taysom Hill, but I don't think Michael Thomas played when Taysom was under center. So maybe it's Jared Cook or Latavius Murray. I know he was hurt a little bit. That's a strange one. Uh, uh, 
I feel like you're trying to throw me off with this one. Like it would be someone that wouldn't matter, but randomly it affected him and his points. So I'm going to say Latavius Murray. No, um, it's someone who definitely affected him. It's one Drew Brees. <laughs> oh, one Drew Brees. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one kind of surprised me a little bit because I was kind of on the, 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 of the belief that Michael Thomas was kind of over the bridge done. I tend to write off veteran receivers a little bit early and I was doing so with Thomas, and I'm kind of still doing so. But the fact that he was so bad with Breeze and serviceable outside of Breeze, like that gives some hope that like he's going to be outside of Breeze in 2021 because the Saints literally can't afford to have Drew Breeze on the roster, so he has to retire. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's my takeaway here is that maybe we're undervaluing Thomas a little bit because he's going to he, he was bad a lot because of Breeze and outside of Breeze, he was decent. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely better than averaging six and a half points. Uh, I think we can all agree on that, but yeah, the, uh, the Twitter antics and the kind of below average success. And yeah, I mean, injured this year and whatever, but I don't know, man. He, I feel like the, the free fall is just kind of, going to continue we'll see what happens uh under center there but i'm i'm still not real i don't see a super high ceiling i think i think the floor and the ceiling probably with michael thomas are essentially the same thing assuming he's got an average quarterback under center i I do think he could be a really nice value obviously because i mean look at where he's going his adp is is i mean it's, (laughs) it's horrible it's in the tank but everything that kind of transpired this season has me a little bit worried about the future. All righty. That's the Rotoviz Game Splits app. Make sure to get your uh, use promo code RVRADIO2021 to get your access to the Rotoviz Game Splits app. All right. Any last words before we head out, Dan? If there's any tools on the site that you guys want to hear us talk about, send us a DM or, or hit us up on Twitter. We'll definitely take all considerations. We're going to go through like everything. Cause I don't know if you know this, but there isn't any football on right now. So we're just trying to fill the dead air, but we're looking forward to digging in some more of some of these things that we, we don't have a ton of experience using, but in time we will have that experience. We'll be able to share it with you guys. So uh, we're looking forward to doing this dive on all of these different tools and making sure you guys know about them. All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Hope you enjoy the show. Kado. Give it one of these. You don't, hey, slow down. You're going to kill yourself you choke <laughs>